We here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I said it last week, sometimes uh, prepping for a Sunday is just easier than other times because it's just like you get a download um, and it's usually early morning where I just hear something from God or I just feel like, oh, that's how these two verses come together and then uh, and it, it's just, that's the easy ones. It's not always like that, but last week was like that. I really heard the words give it and uh, we shared on what it means to give it, what do we give and how do we give this year our best shot and then actually last week Sunday morning I woke up with the words, um, what is your posture? Uh, what is your posture? And, um, and I said, well, Lord, now you're confusing me because I prepped the message for last week, which was about giving it. And now you're saying about posture. And he said, no, that's for next week. I'm like, it's awesome how God then enables you and gives me the whole week to, to, to talk to him and to ponder about this. But I want to ask you this morning then that same question that I felt God asked me is what is your posture? Now, that's an interesting uh, thought maybe. Um, and I think you can read a lot from someone's posture. Um, I don't know if, if you would agree with me if you ever thought of it, but you can really see, I mean, if someone was a dancer, you, can, you, you, you have a good chance of saying, oh, I think that, that lady, that man was a, was a dancer or is a dancer. Um, you can see how people feel about themselves in how they carry themselves. And uh, I mean, you can, if, you, if, you, if you're cognitive of it, you can override it and uh, you can hide it, uh, your, your true self and your posture. Um, I know, Melissa, you also... Uh, serious about posture and I must probably still speak to you because when I had a, a shoulder injury uh, playing rugby at varsity um, my posture actually on the on, on the right side is just it, it dipped a bit and I had to do a lot of work to to get it back square and I can see sometimes I'm, I'm like I'm sagging on the side it's interesting you, you hurt your shoulder but your posture comes from your back so I'm gonna ask you again like what is your posture what is your posture before God Okay, now we're getting deep. See, I need to wake you up early this morning. <laughs> what is your posture before God? Now, uh, Old Testament posture is flat on the ground. I mean, I don't know if you realize, but every time an angel shows up, most people fall flat on the ground in the Bible and they're fearful. And then what does the angel do? Do not fear, get up. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's basically the angels know. These people are going to fall on their faces and then they're going to say, do not fear, get up. Now, we don't worship angels, obviously. So you can fall flat on your face before God. There's nothing wrong with that. But God is probably going to lift you up because He gives grace to the humble and at the right time He will lift you up. So God's posture is always wanting to, or God always wants to improve your posture. Can I say that? Now I'm talking of something natural, but obviously we're speaking spiritually as well. What is your posture in the world? Maybe you walk out here, you just received ministry, that word was for you. Sunday is amazing and then Monday comes. And you're not so good with your work or you're not so happy with your boss or whatever. And then like as the week goes, like your posture changes. And it's like, I don't believe in evolution. But anyways, think about that picture of the evolution of the, the monkey standing up. And then as the week goes on, you like reverse that cycle almost. And then Sundays you come and prop yourselves up again. Uh, that's true for a lot of people. What is your posture when you look in the mirror? When you look at yourself? How do you see yourself? That's another way of asking the question. So how do you see yourself before God? How do you see yourself in the world? And how do you see yourself when you look into the mirror? Now, like I said, the posture comes from how you see yourself, which comes from your identity. And we want to speak about fruitfulness and increased fruitfulness. And uh, how do we increase fruitfulness? It's interesting if you translate increased fruitfulness on Google, but you have to come to the Afrikaans service to hear about that. But... Uh, I went with toenemende vrugbaarheid. Okay, so it's increasing. So there's my, you, you, it, it sounds funny sometimes. So think about this. You want to have a fruitful year. Who wants to have a fruitful year? I want to have a fruitful year. I mean, I listened to something in the week and they said, um, persecution is not a fruit of the Spirit. And I'm like, wow, that's profound. Huh? Persecution is not a fruit of the Spirit. Because some people just like, oh, yeah, this guy or this guy or what's going on in the world or this. It's so much persecution. Now, persecution is not a sign of whether you're living godly. If you live godly, you probably will have some persecution. But there's, a, there's another type of fruitfulness, and it's in Galatians 5, that we'll get to probably in the weeks to come. Um, this is just the introduction. So um, if you think about the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is obviously grows on plants, trees. And uh, if I think about how do we then increase fruitfulness, 
it's so easy because we live in the winelands and uh, you see that the grapevines aren't just growing on the ground. What has happened is people put in stakes and there's some people in the, in, 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 in the audience or in the church who can uh, explain this much better than I, but we put up stakes and then we lift up the vine's branches to increase the, um, the sun and, uh, and, and, and all of that. So what do we do? We change the posture of the plant in order to increase fruitfulness. So you get better yields. You get more quality wine. So that's sort of the, 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 the thinking that we have this morning with the message I want to bring across is your posture has got a lot to do with your fruitfulness or the other way around. Your fruitfulness is determined by your posture and your posture is determined by your identity. How you see yourself, how you see God. So that, that's basically the message. Okay, so you can go now. No, I'm joking. We're going to color that in, but I want to, I want to keep it simple. I want to show you uh, just some of this. And one of the things then that, that, let's get into the word. Then we'll look at it. Hebrews 1. How do you see yourself? So Hebrews 1 and verse 3, I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, the sun is the radiance and only expression of the glory, our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine, and the exact representation and perfect imprint of His Father's essence. What He's telling us here is when you see Jesus, you see the essence of who God is. And upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by His powerful Word, carrying the universe along its predetermined goal. The Amplified says that Jesus Himself is carrying the universe to its predetermined goal, which is obviously the revelation of the sons of God. Which is pretty awesome. So it doesn't matter what's happening in the universe. It's not going to be bigger than what Jesus is. So we're going to get to where we're going. Amen. That's good news. We're going to get to the end. When He Himself and no other had by offering Himself on the cross as a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sins and established our freedom from guilt. You see how the Holy Spirit already ministered on that this morning about that freedom, about all those things that we're not guilty and that He wants to wash us free. He sat down. So your posture in how you stand, how you walk, but also how you sit. But sitting is a posture in itself. It's a position. And it's so good that Jesus' current posture, His current position is that of being seated. So on the cross, I don't think He had such a good posture because you're hanging by your, by your arms. So you can't walk up right. When he carried the cross, he didn't have a good posture because the weight was so heavy that he kept on falling over. So they had to get a guy to say, hey, come and help this, this fellow. Now what Jesus could not do in carrying his cross, I've never thought of it this way, a lot of people like us want to do. We want to pick up our cross. But even Jesus fell over as the natural man trying to carry his cross. So we can never by ourselves carry anything. And that was the word that came as well, the heaviness. So we need to see our posture in Christ. He sat down, revealing His completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high, revealing His divine authority. Okay, all of that was verse 3 in the Amplified. Now we're going to look at verse 4. It says, Having become as much superior to angels, since He has inherited a more excellent and glorious name than they. Okay. Having become so much better than the angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, I touched on this last week. If you weren't here, uh, well done. You're going to get catch it now. What is the name above all names? What is the name above all names? Colossians speaks about it. Hebrews speaks about it. Hebrews colors it in. This is amazing. The name above all names is not Jesus. Okay, now I thought you are going to look at me like that. Because who is Emmanuel? <clears throat> so Jesus has multiple names then, okay? Or the Son of God has multiple names. So Emmanuel is God with you, but He's no longer Emmanuel. He's now God in you because He's now the Christ, Jesus the Exalted One. But the name above all names is not Jesus, but it's obviously awesome because Jesus means just God saves, okay? Yeshua. Joshua, like if you want to see your Old Testament in the same light. So it's not a new name even. But here it says that he got a new name through inheritance. And the name is Son. 
This is profound because now I'm going to open up some things for you. You know, who knows Minesweeper? Okay. So you know Minesweeper, you click and then one or two things happen. Either it goes kaboom or you open up a whole new area. Okay, so it's this, this game where there's all these blocks and you don't know what's behind the blocks and it shows you where the bombs are. So if you click on a block and it shows you numbers and it says around this number there's one, two, three or no bombs. Again, if you click on a bomb then obviously the game is over. But what I want to show you this is by unlocking one or two things in scripture, we're opening up whole new areas that's going to change our lives forever. Okay, so this is one of it. It says in the Amplified, having become as much superior to angels since he has inherited a more excellent and glorious name than they, in brackets, that is, son, the name above all names. So the Amplified says it clear as daylight, but we have to be careful with things like that because now we need to ask, where did the translator of the Amplified get that? Okay, so... There's so much I have to say around that, but I can't. Which translation is right of the Bible? None. <laughs> There's no correct translation, okay? That's why we need the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. So how do we lead and guide us? Peter, you just said something big. You said the name Jesus is not the name above all names. The name Son is, but I don't see it. Well, it's in inheritance, okay? So inheritance, Jesus' dad wasn't called Jesus. But being the son of a father, he was a son. Now we're going to look at the context and let's go to verse 5 which will help you with the context and I'm going to read New King James and then I'll read Amplified. It says, For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. So he's speaking the context, he's making a point, the writer of Hebrews saying, this is the name above all names. And he says, now what is the name? And he says, To whom did the angel say, You are my son? Or to which of the angels did God say? To none. So the name then is son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's a quote from Psalm 2. Okay, so that was prophesied in the Psalms, and it, obviously at, the, um, at the, the baptism of Jesus, we hear the words, and it says, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. So, okay, that's just, that's a side point, but that opens up a whole lot of things for us. So, what is your posture? And what is your posture that will increase fruitfulness? And let's make it for this year, because that's how we tend to live, but for the rest of your life. What you get today, what I want to share with you today, can set you up for increased fruitfulness for the rest of your life. Because you see in 1 John 3 and verse 2, it says, Beloved, now are we, what? The children of God. The King James says, the sons of God. So the name above all names is Son of God. And now, after the cross, after the, the ascension, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, sort of looks back at everything that has happened. And I love the book of John because it's very different. It's not a historical account. There's so much revelation in that gospel account. And now he writes and he says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So what is the posture that's going to increase your fruitfulness? It is when you identify and take up the posture as a son of God. A beloved son be that you're not just a son, you're just not one of God's children. But if you see yourself really as one of the sons of God. Now son, ladies, it's, it's, a, it's important because there's verses, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18 that says, You are now the sons and daughters of God, which is good, which is where the New King James gets children. But son inherently is not male. Son is the one who carries forth the purposes and the plans, the identity of the family. And guess what, ladies, you are included in that. Because in Galatians 3 it says, there's no, no longer male nor female. There's no longer slave nor free. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile. But we are all one in Christ. One of the travesties of the modern church is that we have put ladies aside and said, you are not worthy. You, are, you, you need to take your position. And I'm saying, let's rise up together because otherwise there's some scriptures that we're going to have to to delete if we will from our bibles if we want to get around that but it says that we are no longer separated but we are all one in christ so that's just my introduction basically telling us what is that that posture for increased fruitfulness is that of sonship because if you identify with the son uh, romans 8 and verse 32 i think says that he is the firstborn among many brethren wow you see, we have a distance mentality when it comes to God, and that's a big problem for us. We think Jesus is somewhere up there. Oh, He's awesome. We sing songs. Oh, praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. By the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. 
what you can pray in the name of Jesus and deadly squats going to happen. But you can pray out of the identity of a son of God. And yes, honoring Jesus, he's your oldest brother. He's the firstborn. He's the one who made the way. He's the one who died on the cross. He is the glorious one. He is higher than angels. He's the son of God, the first one. He is obviously God in the essence, God indwelled, God who, who, who walked about, healed, and he went the way of the cross so that we don't have to. I'm not making light of Jesus. Please hear me. But what we are doing is we are selling ourselves short. Because clearly the scripture says that the plan from the beginning has been not just one son of God. But God, even, God was lonely. Let's be honest. God was a bit lonely. Because you know love gives. And God is love and he had no one to give his love. So what did he do? He created the world. He created the universe. He created the plants, the fish, the sea. He created all those things. Why? Because on day six... It actually came forth to why He created everything. He created everything for us. He made everything ready. And then He said, let's make man, what? In our image. In our likeness. When you look in a mirror, what do you see? You see your image. Oh, Peter, now you're getting dangerous again. I'm just asking the questions, aren't I? You look in the mirror, what do you see? When you take a photo, a selfie, what do you see? An image. You don't see you. You can never see you. You realize. Unless your eyes are very like this, you can never even see your face. So who says you look like you think you do? You can only ever see an image of you. So God wanted to create us in His image, in His likeness. And guess what? Adam and Eve didn't believe it. Because when Satan came, the deceiver, there's so much I can say about the deceiver, because I believe so much of that is in our heads, is believing lies. And he said, well, if you eat of this tree, you will be what? Like God. But uh, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that we already like Him. So what do they do? They believe they're not like God, and they eat. And then the rest of the story is how that is restored. Why? Because God really wants us to know that we're made in His image and likeness. And Romans 5, which Benro referred to, you can read the rest, it speaks about how what Jesus came, the second Adam, to do is so much better than what the first Adam lost. So if you and I attain to get back into paradise, we are selling short the plan of God. Because God came and He walked in the cool of the day amongst Adam and Eve, but now He is dwelling on the inside of us and the plan has always been, like I said previously or referred to, is that God would live in a man. That is the promise on high, from on high. We, we hear about the promise, we hear about the covenant, the blessing of Abraham. There's so much we said about that last year. Please go and listen to those messages. Because the promise, according to um, Galatians 3 and verse 14, is not, it's not land. It's not donkeys. It's not cattle. The promise from on high is that the Holy Spirit has been poured out in our hearts so that God can live with us, in us, and through us. So much better than things. <laughs> I mean, we like money, like Jerusalem said. We, we like the aircon, and guess what? We pay for it. We like to, to put out nice things and food and water and, 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 and buy you guys coffee and all of that. That costs money, but the blessing of Abraham is not money. Yes, you can make money. Deuteronomy 8.18 says that I've given you the power to get wealth, the ability but now we've got so much more ability. We've got the ability to heal, to, to, to prosper. What is your definition of prosperity and success? I'm asking you. Because you need to know that. Because your definition of prosperity and success is going to determine the course of your life. The decisions you make, why you get up in the morning. What you say yes to, what you say no to. Your definition of success inherently determines your identity because either you're going to attain to it and you're going to be disappointed or you're going to attain to it and you're going to say, hey, there's so much more in being one with God, being His Son. We are starting to look at increased fruitfulness this morning. And I want to start with your posture. What is your posture for ultimate fruitfulness? Like I said, think about the vineyards. John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now there's some, 
let's call it a holy cow that I need to, can I say slaughter this morning? <laughs> Sounds hectic. We have this idea about pruning. God prunes me. Now, I've had God speak to me the words, we need to prune this. And you know what? what that was when we had to close a branch of Grace Life. We were leading Grace Life Durbanville at this time. And I really felt God said, prune this. And we did. But it, means, it didn't mean we killed it. Because currently it's flourishing as Grace Life Tigerberg and it's under different leadership. We didn't kill it. We just we trimmed back. We stopped the service. We focused on life groups. We started a ministry school. And we relaunched and that thing is flourishing. But what we have as an idea is if I'm not fruitful, then what's going to happen? God's going to cut me off. Who's ever heard that? If you haven't heard that, amen. I mean, then, then you're done. You're not, you're not messed up like us, like me. Okay. So we have to renew our minds. Okay, that's part of what we do in church, and that's why we come, because then out of that again comes fruitfulness, according to Romans 12. When you're unfruitful, what happens? Because you know there's seasons where it's kumbaya and it's hallelujah, and you are on fire for God. And the miracles just happen and the finances come in and you get that job you've been praying for and, and someone buys you a car and, and that is amazing. And you're on that, you're on fire and guess what? Then some, I don't know why, it's like revivals, they just die down. And then life happens and it becomes real. And then you need to go back to where? To, to, to find and stir up faith again. But one of the things then, the problem is, if we look at John fifteen two, it says... Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Okay, so Houston, we have a problem. Which translation is right? None of them, so we have an option. <laughs> the word there, prune, is where? Is it the fruitful or the unfruitful branch? That's the first question. It's the fruitful branch that he prunes. I think I stepped on your cable. I'm sorry. Should I switch this off? <laughs> Let's try again. <laughs> you can think about the verse so long. Which is the one that he prunes? Is it the fruitful or the unfruitful? It says, the branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Okay, so already that, that's not how I understood it previously. But the word then that we have to look into is the taketh away. Because it says, the one that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, where does he take it? If he cuts off the fruitful or he trims the fruitful, he takes the other one away. Like, where does he take it? Luckily, we have some options. So the Passion Translation says, he cares for the branches connected to me by lifting up and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. So what happens is here, when there's a fruitless branch, he lifts that branch up. He gives it the full shine of the sun. He gives it the proper place and position. He binds it up close to the branch, close to the structure. He changes, if you will, the posture of the fruitless branch and he actually brings it closer to his heart closer to himself because he says i am the vine my father is the vine dresser and then the rest of john 15 speaks about us as the branches and then how to become more fruitful so he doesn't cut you off put you on a stake and burn you if you're unfruitful no that's for unsaved people because once you are born again, you are engraved into this branch, into this vine. And now you are one with that vine. And whether you're fruitful or not doesn't, de doesn't determine your eternal state. It determines where you're going to be, how God is going to treat you. Because God's lovingly caring for you. And the Word says, if you will, that God gets glory if we bear much fruit. So why then will He just cut you off and hide you? Because he's ashamed of you. No, he is your, he's your father. Think about a father whose son is messing up and doing things. And um, Will this help, Monique, or not? Is it the same receiver? Okay. I'm going to just, uh, luckily I've got a preacher's voice, so you'll, you can hear me at the back. So, 
We apologize for those online. I'm uh, going to speak as loud as I could. But I love this in the Passion where it says, He doesn't cut you off, but He lifts you up. He washes you. He cleans you. He gives you actually a, a higher honor. He gives you a place of, of sonship. He gives you a place under the sun. Now, I don't know about you, but that should change your... If you thought God's going to cut you off, you're not fruitful, then wouldn't He have cut you off already? I'm just asking. But you are here. You are loved. You are destined for fruitfulness, for greatness, for goodness, because God is in you. So when you are unfruitful, don't go running off. And that's what people think. Oh, God has nothing to do with me. And you know, the end of that usually is atheism, rebellion, it's death. Okay? But when we are one with God and we actually come to Him, we allow Him to lift us up, to change our posture, we actually become more fruitful. And let's take an example. Peter, for one, I mean, he commits the ultimate sin, basically, by saying, I do not know Jesus. He doesn't commit it once. He commits it three times. Now, does Jesus cut him off? No, he cooks him breakfast. Think about it. Jesus could be so offended in my darkest hour, when I really needed you, Peter, you say you're so strong, you're the rock, and you were nowhere. No, three times he told people, no, he doesn't do that. He cooks him breakfast. Fish for breakfast on the coals. Beautiful. Gents, next time we do a men's camp, we're going to do fish on the coals for breakfast. And what does he do? He calls him close. He restores him. And then what happens? 3,000 people get saved by Peter's first sermon. It is not in God's interest to cut you off. Neither is it in His nature. That should, that should deal with it. <laughs> it's not in His nature. It's not in His interest. He wants to lift you up, take you closer. The word literally in the, in the Greek can be translated, He takes up to Himself every fruitless branch. The word there in Greek is Katairo, which they also use for the word cleaning. Now, I don't know about you, it's ridiculous, but you have to do this. If you've got house plants, every now and then you need to clean the leaves. Otherwise, they die. So, what God is doing, He's cleaning us, He's lifting us up, He's pulling us closer to Him, He's changing our posture. Why? So that we can be more fruitful. No. But that is the result of it. God is not after your fruitfulness. He's after you. <coughs> Don't struggle with that. Accept it. Yes, there will be fruitfulness, but that's the byproduct. That's not the motivation. Why do we keep on advertising Dream Team? Because we need poor people to get stuff done. No, we get stuff done every week. And if we don't have enough people, we can just come earlier. We, we invite you to become part of serving because we see the fruit of that. And guess what? Also, we want to get to know you better. And we know that amongst coffees and breakfast and getting up early and carrying things around, we don't know why, but it facilitates friendship. It facilitates community. It facilitates getting to know people. You can ask them. Don't ask me. If you're in the dream team, just, just raise your hand quickly. Okay, look around if you're not raising your hand and ask one of these guys if it's fun. If they had a choice to join again, would they? Don't ask me. I don't pay them for this. Um, I literally don't. <laughs> it's volunteers, and they keep on coming. I don't know why. But, um, like, <laughs> because it's fun, <laughs> I guess. So, we're looking at, at, at this, the posture of fruitfulness. So, John 15, 4 then says, You must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so will your life be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to me. Now, I've said this before, and people don't take me serious. I say, if you need to trim a branch in a tree, like I don't get to my full to-do list over the holidays, so there's a few branches I still want to trim. Go home today, cut off a branch, and put it next to your front door. Okay? And then just observe... For the next two or three weeks, ladies, bear with us, okay? We'll clean up later. I want to make a point. Just observe what a branch severed from, from the tree does. You know what it's going to do, but it, it will help you. And every time you see that, you think like, wow, that's what people without Jesus look like. 
And that should motivate you to invite people to come closer to Jesus, to be engraved and be joined with Him. That thing is not going to bear fruit. <laughs> There's only one rod that budded that wasn't connected, and that was Aaron's rod in the, in the ark. And it's not going to happen again, I promise you. If it does, take a video. Verse 5, I am the sprouting vine. You know what sprouting means? It means it's pushing out new things. Again, the Holy Spirit knew what, what He was doing this morning about the dandelions and sprouting forth. And maybe you, you look at Christians and you're like, wow, they are so far ahead of me. I can never get there, so you never want to start. No. If you look at a tree, some branches are strong and some are sprouting. Some are new, some are fresh, some are fruitful. You know what? One of the best investments you can make today is a pecanet um, plantation. Okay? Really. Like, if you want business advice, I'll give it to you for free. One of the best yields of crop is pecanut trees. But you know why no pe well, few people do it? Not anyone. We can eat pecanut. Few people do it. Because it's going to take 10 years for you to eat of that tree. Once you plant it, only 10 years later will you start yielding some of the fruit. And for most people, that's just too long. What God has called you to do might not be flourishing right now. Who knows what grace life is going to look like in 10 years? Shane and Martin had no idea it's going to look like this. I promise you, when they started it now, almost 12 years ago. Seven campuses around the world, planting churches, mission school, um, like all these things happening. But if, if we don't start, if we don't abide, if we don't hold on, if we don't let God change our posture, then we don't know what we'll ever get. Listen to this, verse 5. It's beautiful in the Passion. It says, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. He takes ownership of you there. He says, you are not just branches, you are my branches. Now think about a chain store, ShopRite if you will. They've got branches. They've got stores, but you have to, you look like a certain thing. You, 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 you trade in a certain way. You are branches of that brand. I've looked at one of the CDs with Jerusha this morning, and one of them says, what is our brand? Ambassador Training, I think, is the resource. What is our brand? Our brand is love. Our brand is Jesus. But we are branches of Jesus. He makes it personal. He says, you're not just a branch somewhere. You are mine. You belong. Inherently, then, it means that the life source flows from Him into us like plants do. You see, maybe think about your biology a little bit and think about how these things work because there's so much back and forth. There's intimacy. There's fruitfulness. There's, there's a flowing of nourishment and of all these things amongst the branches and the vine. It says, as you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. Wow. So what we want to do is we want to set goals and targets and live fruitful lives. Nothing wrong with that, except that it won't work. Because it's outcome-based. You want to lose weight? Don't get on the scale every day. Decide what you put in your mouth every time. Let's be source-based, income-based, which will then define our outcomes and fruitfulness. You want to have more money? Spend less. I saw you business, le business lessons for free today, isn't it? If something is 250 rand marked off 1,000, you're not saving 250, you're spending 750. Okay. You're spending your life. We are spending our time. Yes, we're spending money, but I mean, that's a small part. You are spending years. You are spending time. You are, you've got time with your kids, with family, with colleagues. You know what people usually do is when they, when they resign, then they share Jesus. Because they've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to lose if you don't resign because you've got all those people to lose for eternity. So the first church, I said this on Friday morning at Manakar, the first church lived as if God is coming, Jesus is coming back tomorrow. That was their motivation. That's their identity. That's how they breathed. That's why they didn't care about things. That, you know, people want to hold on to so much in the book of Acts, but they never say, let's have all things in common. That was profound for me over the holidays. Now we want to do it like this church of Acts and this church of Acts. And why aren't we doing this? Okay, but then let's have all things in common. Sell your house, sell your car, bring the money. We all put it in one pot. No, that's a cult. I don't want all of that. I'm making a facetious joke. Sorry. <laughs> if we want to be fruitful, which is good, it's not about the fruit. It's about the source.
And that's so much easier. Because God is not measuring you on your output. He's measuring you on Christ. What is your input? Is your input Jesus Christ? Because guess what? He's going to live forever, so so will you. And yes, there will be fruit, and there will be growth, and there will be prosperity, if you will, and there will be increase and all those things. But let's live in that stream of oneness with God. When you live your life separated from me, you are powerless. So I'm closing this with what is your posture? How do you see yourself? Because how do you think God sees you is part of the question. Because inherently we are good people, so we will not allow ourselves to see ourselves higher than what God sees us. We will seldom have an opinion of ourselves higher than what we believe God's opinion of us is. Okay, a lot of people struggle with pride, but pride looks different than what we think it does. Because this false humility we've got is also pride. Because there's a lot of things I said this morning about sonship which probably rubbed you up the wrong way or made you uncomfortable, but I honestly believe it's in the Word and that it's according to, to, to God's will for us because says, you will be my sons and daughters. You know what? Jesus offended people by doing what? By referring to God as His Father. How can that be? You may, and, and the Word even says, because by doing that, He put Himself on the same level as God. Now, I'm not putting that myself on the same level as God. Please again, hear me. But I'm not where I used to be. I've got the healer living inside of me. I've got the good news of God. I've got the Holy Spirit. It's not me, but in my weakness, God decided to come live in me. And guess what? He's not leaving when I leave. He's not going to stay here. He's not leaving me. He's leaving with me because He is in me. Hebrews 13, 5 is beautiful. It says, be content with what you have. And then, like we are right and this and that. That's not what it says because it says, because who you've got is the Christ. Money cannot buy that. Significance is not determined on your job title. You can be a nobody and heal the world. You can have a horrible past and save the world. Because it's not you or me, it's Christ in us. It's not us, it's the seed. And you know what I believe so clearly for us? Is we miss so much of what God has called us to do. Because He calls us and the calling is in seed form. And you want to see the tree and God's not going to give you the tree, He's giving you the seed. Whether it's your business, your relationship, your ministry. I was privileged to do some business training um, with a, a bunch of ladies, franchisees this week. And it was so good to just go through some of these things again. Starting small, starting. Wow, that's a profound idea. Let's start a business. Okay, now start it. Creating a Facebook page and getting a logo is not a business. Amen? Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't mean you're going to have a fruitful life by coming to church. No, living in life, union with God, allowing the Holy Spirit to not just live in you, but sometimes come out of you. We shouldn't be hoggers. We should rub the lamp and let the genie come out every now and then. Amen? <laughs> Heal people. Change people. Prophesy. It takes faith to prophesy. Why did we like, have so few words? It was enough. It was good, but it takes faith. It's as if we're waiting for God because we're going to have this amazing year if God shows up. Well, He showed up 2,000 years ago. The express image of who He is showed up, hung on a cross, died, but didn't stay there. He's now seated in heaven. And Ephesians 2, 6 says, guess what? He's not alone. Your posture is in Him, seated next to God. At His right hand. You know what the right hand man does? What the king wants to get done. He's right there. It doesn't mean He's on the right. He might be, but it's, like, it's more a place of authority. You and I are the executors of what God wants to get done on this earth. The problem is, and I'll, I'll end with this, is we have an Old Testament mindset. God up there. And then, oh, I just, if I, this year, if I see the burning bush, whoo, then it's going to be a great year. So I'm going to fast and pray until the bush burns. Well, the Holy Spirit came down in tongues of fire, so I don't know what fire you're waiting for. The only fire that's coming, it's the eternal damnation. And don't wait for that. Okay.
So David comes on the scene and he brings what? Cheese and bread to his, to his brothers. He did it a few times actually if you, if you read the context. And then on this one day he comes and Goliath is shouting. And it's profound because I preached the message the week before we went into lockdown, March 2020. And I said that we will overcome three enemies. The lion, the bear, and Goliath. You can go listen. It's on SoundCloud. You can see the date and you'll see that I didn't make this up. The lion is the fear of death. Here we are. Like we joked, we are the, the country with the safest chins in the world. Because that's where we wear our marks, isn't it? The safest chins in the world. So we are overcoming the fear of death. I think we did that. The second one is the bear. And God spoke to me and he said, the bear is, if you know, bull and, 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 and bear markets. The bull market is when money increases, when the economy grows. And the bear market is the bear fights downwards in the claws. So when the economy collapses, that's the, what they call a bear market. Now, we've had, we blessed 29 families and individuals in the midst of a bear market and an economic crisis because we have things in common. We're generous. We give. If you don't have money or don't have food, please come and speak to us because we're not a charity, but we are family. And that's what family does. And then the third one is the, the, um, the, the Goliath, which really God spoke to me and it says it's the oppressive political forces. And like David, we're overcoming that. And I'm not getting into vaccines or any of that because that's not even the thing. Because if that was persecution, then why would the Muslims also have to get vaccinated? And while I'm at it, who says Novak Djokovic is a Christian? <laughs> Remember, I said persecution is not a fruit of the Spirit. Now I'm getting into what I wanted to get into. Is Saul sits there, and he doesn't want to go, but he is head and shoulders the closest thing to Goliath. He is the tallest, most handsome man in the land. That's why he got the job. Because man looks at the outward appearance, but guess what God doesn't? He looks at the heart. And what does he want to do? He wants to give David his armor. And David tries it on. I mean, otherwise you die, you do what the king says. But he cannot move because this armor is just not fitting. And I guess that if David went with the armor of Saul to fight Goliath, he would have died. He goes and he fights this battle and he kills Goliath with his own sword. I cannot start this business. I don't have money. Well, start the business and kill it with the sword of, of what you're doing. Like we, don't, we have a mindset of I have to have everything ready. Then we go on and what we do is what we're shelling ourselves short is we read chapters in the Bible. But if you just read past that, David shows up and he's got the, 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 the head of Goliath in his hand. And right after he speaks to Saul, he speaks to Saul's son. He speaks to Jonathan, which is a picture of Christ, the son of the king. And you know what Jonathan does? A lot of people miss this. Jonathan gives him his armor. And David takes it because it fits. You see, we have an Old Testament mindset where we see God way up there and we know that armor never fits. We can never get there. But where we started this morning, it says Jesus is the express image of God, yet He came in human form. So when He gives us His armor, it is attainable, it is accessible, and it fits. But guess what? It still comes from God. It's still holy because He is an heir of God. And we live in that. We live as the sons of God. So we have royal armor. We have royal blood. We have a royal existence. We live not as Aaron, but as Melchizedek, the king priest. We serve God, yes, but not as servants, no, as sons. And the word says so clearly, and I didn't even get to my notes, but it says in Galatians 4, 6, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of His Son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. The Spirit of whom? The Spirit of His Son is who? The Spirit of Christ. So what Spirit does Christ have that you don't? If you've got His Spirit. When Jesus said, you'll do what I did and greater things, He wasn't lying, was He? But you cannot do it from your own strength, your own goals, your own targets, your own opinions. 
You need to do it through His armor, His goals, His power, His truth, His spirit. And that's really the invitation I'm giving to you this morning. I know I said a lot of things this morning, but that is what I want to leave with you. God says, come on, let's do this. And what is this? It's not your goal list. It's not your New Year's resolutions. It's not losing weight and going to the gym and starting its business. It's not making more money. It is, come on, do, let's do this. Let's live in unity. Let's live in one life flowing union. First with God, with His Son, with His Spirit. But guess what? The Word says we are one spirit with Him. And therefore, if Adam and I, Adam is one spirit with God and I'm one spirit with God, guess what? We are of the same spirit. God doesn't have different spirits for different denominations or different people or a male spirit and a female spirit or an Old Testament spirit and a New Testament spirit. God is one spirit and that spirit is now one with us. So we have absolutely zero, zero, zero reason to have a, a, a horrible year. But we have every reason to have a fruitful year if you measure the input right. Life, union with your Father. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14, the last verse of Corinthians says, Let the grace, the love of our Father, the grace of His Son, and the fellowship or the communion, the friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The love of the Father which did what? Which birthed Christ. Which then results in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ which gives you full access. But don't stop there. Grace people, let's not stop at the forgiveness of sins. Let's go over into the power of the fruitful union and fellowship and friendship that we have with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the powerful one. If we live only in the love of God, we're missing out. If we go over into the grace of God and live in forgiveness, we're still missing out. Unless we tap into the power, we are not going to live the fruitful lives that we can. And maybe you're unfruitful. That's fine. Don't focus on the fruit. Let God lift you up. Let Him cleanse you. Let Him draw you near. Hear His heartbeat. That's what He wants to do. You think as a pastor you've got so much time and you just spend all this time with God? No, you don't. The more mature you get in Christ, the more work you get in the kingdom. The more people come to you with issues and problems and things, the less you actually have time to do in the Word. But you need to set some time aside to live in that one union because if I don't do that, then this doesn't happen. Then there's no overflow. Then I've got nothing to say. The same for you. I don't know what you're attaining to this year, but if you do not know Christ... You are dreaming too small. And if your dreams doesn't include spending time with Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit work in you and through you, and that also happens in, in people. Open your home. Open your life. There's a reason that hospitality is one of the things we look for in elders. It's people who's willing not just to open their home, but their life. Because that's where true discipleship happens. That's where life happens. Hey, we also struggled with this. Hey, we're struggling with this currently, but I'm not going to rub it under the, the carpet. Let's talk about it. Let's live life together. And let's take it to the Spirit. Who's in with me? We're going to live a fruitful, powerful life. We're going to do it with the Spirit. So let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you this morning that you are good, that you are for us, that you are not against us. We thank you that we can attain to greatness because we've got the Son, we've got the power of God living in us and living through us. As Christians, we are set up for greatness, for glory, but not as the world gives, Father, as you give. I want to just make sure that I give this opportunity so everyone's eyes are closed, but if you are not part of this vine, if you have not been engraved into this life source, if you've never received your new life, the never-ending life, the everlasting life. I want to give you the opportunity right now just to where you are, just, just have this moment and just at least I want to give you the opportunity to respond to this invitation from God. Because the Word says we have a ministry and that ministry is reconciliation. It's reconnecting to the Father. It's bringing you back to that life source and that's really what God wants for you this morning. 
And God is pleading in me and through me right now. God, don't hear this as the words of Peter. Hear it as the words of God saying, Come home, son. Come home, daughter. Come and let me take care of you. Let me drench you with my love. Let me pour my essence, my power, my love into you and over you. Come and live this life flowing from the life union we've, we've got. Empowered by the Spirit. If you've never received that, if you've never been engraved, you've never given up your own efforts, I want to give you the opportunity right now, just where you are. No one is looking around. Just open your hands in front of you and say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive. I receive. Oneness. Unity. Fellowship. Lord, I, I know that Jesus died. I believe that He's risen and that He is seated at the right hand, that He is the Lord of the universe. And I take up my position as part of His army, your family. If you just prayed that, then I want to say welcome to the family. If you've prayed that years ago, then may this be a reminder of your posture and your position. And maybe walk out of here as sons and daughters of God. Not being defined by our income or our jobs or our titles or our relationship statuses or the amount of followers we have on social media. Let's live as defined by God. Unified and identified with Him. Let's take up the posture of sonship. And let's live lives that count. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.